0: All right, as you make your way back to your seats, would you please remain standing if you're able? And let's read from the word of the Lord in John fourteen twenty-five through 31. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away. And I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced. Because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Before we start, I just want to say thank you to. There's a handful of people that have been doing a lot of extra work the last couple weeks Uh, Shelby, Dave, Tara, uh, Andy, Valmagari, people getting ready for moving in two weeks. So thank you for the extra effort, the extra time, the extra work, the late nights, the overnighters, you know, whatever else, the all nighters. Just got to get it done, so thank you. Um, another thing just to, to highlight, um, and this is thanks to Matthew Scott, we have new branding. It's not totally new. It's not terribly new, but it's a bit brighter. Uh, we have a new blue color that's added for accents, and then we have a brand new kids logo. So if you start to see a somewhat different color yellow, don't be, don't be jarred by that. It's just new, updated branding. Thank you, Matthew, for that. Um, make us a little bit happier in spirit rather than brown. I think the moment we chose that color, we were like, "Oh, that was not the right color." <laughs> so for three years, we've been waiting to get rid of the brown color, and now we have a yellow, gold. I oh, don't know; it's happy-ish. Can I see it, oh, Bruce? Can you put the title screen up back up there? It's a little brighter. Most of you are like, "What? That's the same!" <laughs> like it's the same. No, trust me. Trust me. <laughs> If you saw the old one next to that, you would your heart would rejoice. Okay. It's... Uh, I love it. They, they're now vintage. Limit, limited stock, limited time item. I was there when, t-shirt. All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for laughter and the fun of being together and for your grace to us this very day. We... Ask now as we look at your word, these words that Jesus spoke in the book of John, that you would uh, open our hearts and minds, that we would be refreshed by your spirit, that you would give us, as we speak to each other every week, uh, peace. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. So in two weeks, Redeemer turns three years old, three years old. Now, I have a three-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old, and if his life is any indication it's going to be a wild ride, okay? <laughs> the next year, turning three, you know what a three-year-old is like, like can walk, actually knows what they want, has like, can get stuff, can open doors, it's a dangerous time as a three-year-old. So I don't know what this year's going to bring for us as we turn three, but I've been thinking, reflecting on the past couple of years and on the future of our church and kind of who we are as a church and who we are or want to be becoming, um, and there's a section in our new members documents between the big first section that's about what we believe and the big second section about what we practice, and in the middle is a little section on our ethos and our culture as a church. It's a small but mighty section of our documents about who we are. From the very beginning, that culture, that ethos, what we wanted to be, who we wanted to be as a church has been the thing that has driven Redeemer. People would ask us, why do you want to plant a church? Is it because you're reaching a new area, or reaching a new group of people? reaching a new whatever, we said, no, we want to plan a specific kind of church. It's not about what we believe, necessarily. It's not specific. It's not different. We believe the same thing that most other churches believe. It's not about what we do. We do the same things. We worship. We gather in small groups that our churches do. But we want a church that feels a certain kind of way, that has a certain kind of culture, a certain ethos. And ultimately, this is why people stay and leave churches, right, not because of the doctrine or ultimately you think about the churches you've left or moved on from. It's because there's just something that didn't sit right about the way that the church felt to you. The culture and the ethos of the church. And as I read through those and have been thinking about them. There's one theme that binds many of those things together. Those culture ethos things for us as a church. And it's, it's something that's a unifying theme that has been present uh, from, in my heart from the very first day of Redeemer Um, As Lem and I talked about it and kind of wrote stuff down and dreamed about it. And and it kind of summarizes what I want most of all for Redeemer to become. I think it's more important than our worship style. It's more important than our community groups. It's more important than our meetings. It's more important even than the specifics of our theology. It's a unifying theme about what kind of church we want to be. And the way that I'm going to summarize it over these next couple weeks is we want to be a non-anxious church. A non anxious church. And this phrase, non anxious presence, was coined by a rabbi. Um, he's also a family therapist named Edwin Friedman. And he talked about it in the terms of in, inside of conflict as a counselor. You, when a counselor comes in, they're supposed to be a non anxious presence. They're calm, composed, they bring a sense of stability amidst panic and chaos. And much of Redeemer's vision is rooted in that kind of idea, not as a person, but as a church. So I want to talk about this for the next three weeks. Three weeks, three different sermons from John where Jesus talks about peace. And I think you'll see quite quickly why I chose these texts. But I want to tell you today what it means to be for us to be a non-anxious church and to show you that this is in the Bible. You're like, is this even in the Bible? <laughs> yes, absolutely it is. Next week, I want to talk more about how we become that and then... Our first week at Socrates, I want to talk about how being a non-anxious church drives a specific kind of mission and vision for the good of the world. So I hope this helps you know a little bit more, understand a little more about where we are at as leaders of the church, what our vision is for Redeemer, and even is able to meet you where you are spiritually in this next couple of weeks. So first, what does it mean to be a non-anxious church, and is this even in the Bible? John chapter 14. This is a famous passage. This is called the Upper Room Discourse. This is Jesus' final words to his disciples. And our passage is talking about the giving of the Holy Spirit. It's a pretty famous passage in this book. And verse 27, you probably know it. It's a famous verse. Verse Chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus says this to his disciples. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And normally in Hebrew, the, the word peace is the word shalom, right? It means wholeness. It's not just uh, the absence of something, but the presence of something. It means wholeness and complete well being and absence of troubles and pain and problems. And the problem in this text is that it can't mean that here, because in an even more famous text, a few minutes later, Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in you, me you may have peace, in the world you will have tribulation. So he cannot be saying to them that they will be without trouble and tribulation and trial and problems and chaos. So what does it mean? What is Jesus giving to them in this moment? And he tells them. He says, I give to you peace, not as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled. Troubled, this is the Greek word, tarasso, and I think it's the key to what Jesus is saying. Tarasso, there's a, it's used in John chapter four where the angel comes down and the, the lame and the blind and the deaf sit next to the pool and the angel comes down to the water at the pool. at Bethesda, what does he do? He stirs it up. That's the word. To be troubled is to be stirred up. This is the same word used when Herod hears about Jesus and it says that all Jerusalem was troubled with him. It was stirred up. They were stirred up. This dictionary, the Greek dictionary definition says that this word means to cause inward commotion, to take away calmness of mind, to disquiet or to make restless, to render anxious, distressed, and perplexed. In this verse, what Jesus is giving to them, peace, is not the opposite of war. It's the opposite of anxiety. It's the opposite of anxiousness. He's giving to them inner strength, calm, contentedness, and composure In trouble. D.A. Carson is a scholar and pastor, and he says Jesus' peace secures composure in the midst of trouble and dissolves fear. It is the peace which garrisons our hearts and minds against the invasion of anxiety and rules or arbitrates in the hearts of God's people to maintain harmony amongst them. The peace that Jesus is giving to them is not absence of trouble, but absence of anxiety about the trouble. Okay, hear that again. The the peace Jesus is giving them is not absence of trouble, but absence of anxiety about the trouble. John Mark Homer calls it a grounded, present sense of the calm of God. You've probably been in situations like this. You're in a conflict or you're, you're worried or anxious about something, and there's some person that you trust that comes in the room, and the trouble doesn't change, but you instantly feel different because they're there because you trust them, you believe them, you know that they are non-anxious, you know that they bring a sense of calm and composure amidst whatever the panic of your heart is. This is what Jesus is bringing to his disciples, giving to them. I couldn't resist three quick things about this peace that you see right in the text. Number one, the peace belongs to Jesus. He says, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. This peace, this calm, composure, lack of anxiety is found only in Jesus. Okay? <laughs> All other efforts to chase away your anxiety will leave you empty. They may work briefly but they will not last. That they will they will give up on you eventually. One, that peace belongs to Jesus too. That the peace is given, not earned. <laughs> My peace I bequeath. That's the word that's the I leave is the word bequeath. Like I'm giving it to you and I'm walking away, your peace is given. You don't receive or earn this peace, and quite importantly, and more next week on this, you can't store it up. It's like manna in the Old Testament. (laughs) I give it to you, and you have it, and as soon as you eat it, you need more of it. You need it constantly to be being given to you by Jesus. But the third thing is that peace is actually given to them, is given. (laughs) If you will receive Jesus' peace, it's available to you and to me now. This isn't one of these like future God's kingdom things. This is a now. He left it for them when he left. This peace of Jesus is an inoculation against anxiety. And this peace is a central feature of the kingdom of God. Central. Absolutely essential. We say it in the very heart of our service every single week. (laughs) We say, the peace of Christ be with you. It's central. It's anticipated in the Old Testament. It's received and fulfilled in the New Testament. Testament, right, this time when a king would come and it would quash anxiety and bring peace. One author says, the new order of the kingdom of God is simply the peace of God in the world. This is what the kingdom of God is about, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. The Beatitudes, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. The people who cultivate this peace are blessed, in Jesus, this availability and capacity for non-anxiousness has arrived. But that's what Jesus gives. He contrasts that with what the world gives. Right? My peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Jesus gives peace, calm, composure, inner stability. What does the world give you? Anxiety. The world gives anxiety. Anxiety. The world promises peace, love, happiness, do this, do this, try this, get this, go here. It's all a con. It's literally all a con. (laughs) The world has no peace to offer you, only anxiety. D.A. Carson again says, Attempts to achieve personal calm and composure or even just political stability, whether by ritual, mysticism, or propaganda, without dealing with the fundamental reasons for the strife, are intrinsically loathsome. Because they don't work. And this was true in Jesus' day, but it is especially and acutely and obviously true in our world right now. I could probably talk like for 90 minutes on the next paragraph, right? This is, our age is an anxious age, through and through. I think it might be the most true way to describe the world we live in is that it's anxious, about everything. Maybe the most in history, we are neck deep in an age of rampant anxiety. Like the words that you hear and you use panic, confusion, chaos, outrage, stress, burnout. Like I hear those words every single day of my life in news articles and conversations. People are exhausted and overwhelmed. We have no margin, or restless and we're sleepless. Right, we have online connectivity that amazingly and ironically gives you anxiety when you're connected, and gives you anxiety when you're disconnected from it. It is an anxiety producer the moment you touch it, and the moment you try to untouch it, it continues to give you anxiety. The pace of our life, one day after the next, the news cycle, the doom scrolling. Right? You know this term, doom scrolling, when you just you can't stop reading the bad news, and it's it never ends. Right? This is Google News. We talked about this before. There's an end. But it takes like five hours to find it. You just keep it'll just keep giving you news article after news article forever about the bad things in the world. We're distracted. we have what are the things you're anxious about? We have anxious anxiousness about missing out. We have anxiousness about the economy, we have anxiousness about the government. we have anxiousness about war. We have anxiousness about one another we have Anxiousness about any number of political issues. We have anxiousness about our health, about health diagnosis. Anxiousness about our eating. Don't eat that. Don't, don't smell that. Don't look at that. Don't taste that. We have anxiousness about not having enough steps in the day. 10,000 steps or you die tomorrow, right? <laughs> this is why I don't, honestly, I love technology. This is why I don't wear an Apple Watch. The more data you have about your life, the more opportunities you have to be anxious about it. We have anxiousness about our identity, because in our culture, you can be whatever you want. As soon as you can be whatever you want, you find out that whatever you want makes you anxious. We have anxiousness about our accomplishments. Our politics are driven by fear. You heard Biden's speech this week? Fear, existential crisis. Everywhere you look, there's an existential crisis. Ukraine is an existential crisis. Global warming is an existential crisis. Critical race theory is an existential crisis. Immigrants are an existential... Everything's an existential crisis. You turn this way, you don't fix this, we're gonna die. Anxiousness. I talked about this a lot in my sermon on Mark 13 earlier this year. Worry, worry, worry. Fear, fear, fear. Anxiety. This is what you experience every day. I know it because I experience it too and I talk with you every day. Anxiety. We live in an anxious, anxious, anxious age. In this way of being, the way of being anxious is fundamentally incompatible with the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is centrally focused on peace, which is the opposite of anxiety. The kingdom of God is a place of calm, composed stability. And in my opinion, this is the greatest spiritual sickness of our day. Anxiety it's the most significant threat to the church. More than sexual ethics, more than socialism, or liberalism, or Christian nationalism, or deconstruction, or celebrity pastors, you pick your kind of chaos crisis of the day. None of them compare to anxiety. And most of them are symptoms of anxiousness and lack of peace in our hearts and in the world. And so while Jesus gives peace, the greatest and most consistent feature of our daily life is anxiety. And because of that, I see a desperate, desperate need for Redeemer to be and become a non-anxious church. I didn't say a bunch of non-anxious people, although that would be part of it. But a non anxious church, because the reality is that no one in this room can be non anxious all the time, right? I mean, anyone want to volunteer? Text seems pretty calm. (laughs) It works. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) All right, I don't need the sermon. (laughs) See, text out behind the building after the service. (laughs) We live in the world and we can't escape the anxiety of it. And what we need as people, as Christians, is a place, a community where we can reliably expect to find the peace of Jesus. That the collective peace that we have as a church can outweigh our collective anxiety or certainly our individual anxieties. Because peace is not leaving the world, but it's a different way of being in it. It's a non-anxious way. And if we are in the kingdom of God and experiencing the kingdom of God, we should be collectively, profoundly non-anxious. Not a lack of trouble, but a collective sense of calm and composure, inoculated as a body, as a church, against the anxieties of the world. Why? Because the prince of peace is the king. More than anything else, I think this describes what I hope Redeemer becomes. There's a lot of applications to this. If you go back and read our new member documents where it talks about our ethos and our culture, there's a long list of contradictions between the world and the church. And as I read them, I thought almost all of these in some way, shape, or form are applications of this reality. And from day one, this is one of the things Lem and I have been united in, not always in soaring theological terms, right, but in very basic terms commitment to building a non-anxious church, right? You've heard us from before, Redeemer was even an idea. We were like, hey, we're not in a hurry. We're in a hurry. You know what hurry is? Hurry is anxiety enacted. That's why we're not in a hurry. We want to build a simple, relational, and organic church. These are the way we talked about it. We're going to talk about spiritual formation, which is this deep, long obedience in the same direction. That's non-anxious. We, want, we wanted Redeemer to be an oasis, From the breakneck pace and the anxiety and the do everything version of church that many of us have been experiencing for a long time. Right? Some colloquial ways, right? Colloquial language, Jesus is king, so chill the heck out. (laughs) Right? I've told a lot of people in the last couple of months that I think my favorite sentence in the whole English language is, it's okay. It's okay. This is all will be well. All manner of things will be well. All of these are ways of talking about being non-anxious. A church here where people can come with open hands to Jesus and receive peace. What does this look like practically? This one I'm going to talk about a lot next week, but I want to offer you just three pointers. What what a non-anxious church will look like and feel like? These are only three of the many things that could be applied here. Hopefully these won't be a surprise to you. A non-anxious church will be unhurried. Unhurried. We are not in a hurry. This is a deeply theological conviction. Like Hurry, John Mark Homer describes hurry as a behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. That's not, that's not what a church that is non-anxious would feel like. Hurry is a symptom of anxiety and it's incompatible with peace. Right, Dallas Willard says, Hurry is the great evil of spiritual life, or the, sorry, the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Another philosopher says, Hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. Against that is the unhurried, slow, consistent, even growth of the kingdom of God that's a mustard seed and grows over time. Eugene Peterson's long obedience in the same direction. A church that's fully present to one another, to Jesus, to ourselves. A church that's deeply skeptical of the digital revolution, right? Whose mantra is more and faster. That's what technology is trying to do. One author says, the tech industry is the largest, most standardized, and most centralized form of attention control in human history. Part of being unhurried is taking a step back from that and walking the ancient paths of the church. A non-anxious church will be unhurried, but a non-anxious church will also be unworried. Unworried about what? Everything. (laughs) Unworried about anything. We're not worried about finding a new location. We're not worried about service times. We're not worried about our theology Not that we don't care, I'm going to say that in a minute, just clarifying. We're not worried about the government, we're not worried about war. Is it worrisome? Yes. Am I worried? No. Is it troublesome? Yes. Are we troubled? No. See the difference? (laughs) This is not covering our eyes and saying, la, 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 see no evil, hear no evil. It doesn't mean we don't care or aren't involved. Some people think that unless you're anxious or worried, you don't care. Those people don't know Jesus. Because Jesus is the only person that's never anxious and never worried but cares more than anyone else. (laughs) You don't have to be anxious and worried to care or be involved. Rather, a non-anxious church will be unbothered by the anxieties of the world. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Quick to help, slow to judge, slow to break relationships. Unworried. Jesus is king and nothing can change that. Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. A non-anxious church will be unhurried, it will be unworried, but also be undeterred. A non-anxious church will be undeterred. Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. That word, it's one time in the whole New Testament right here in John, and it means non-timid. Do not be timid, be courageous, is what we'll look at next week where Jesus says, but take heart. Have courage. I have overcome the world. And anxious church is undeterred. We're gonna be undeterred by silence. We're gonna be comfortable with critique. We're not gonna be, undet- be deterred by the normal ebbs and flows of church life, of cultural life, of this president or that president. Undeterred churches, they don't flip and flop between visions and values. And if you were here three years ago, we've had the same exact vision and values. We're going to continue to have the same exact vision and values. It'll get refined, it'll get clarified, be driven the same way, because it's about Jesus and his kingdom and living in it. That's what we're here for. And we refuse to be undeterred by that because of whatever is happening out there or in here. An undeterred church is consistent and faithful with our faces set towards Jesus and his kingdom. A non-anxious church, unhurried, unworried, undeterred. This is the kind of church we want Redeemer to become. All the other things come after that. They will never work if we don't have the peace of Jesus, if we are not non-anxious about the world. As soon as you become non-anxious, you can't do anything else. As soon as you become anxious, you, you, you become unable to solve problems and do other things. This is not speaking to what we will or won't do or what we will or won't believe. This is about who we wanna be. We wanna be non-anxious, filled with the peace of Jesus. We're not gonna be a church without problems, without warts, without pain, without relational breakage, without all the things that come in church life. You know, I've been honest about that from the beginning. There's no, this is not a utopia. (laughs) But we can have the peace of Jesus in the midst of all of those things. This is your greatest need as a human person, the peace of Jesus. It's the greatest human need that you have, peace with God, peace with yourself, peace with the world. Ephesians 2.14 says, he himself is our peace, right? The world is just wracked with anxiety. Many of us in here, we are too, and we need to be coming to Jesus for our peace. We need to be a place where you know that you can come and receive the peace of Jesus each and every week. And I pray that this is the kind of church that we become together in the next three, five, ten, however many years. So next week I want to look at some of the specific practices and habits that we're going to cultivate. Many of them we already do, but clarify why we do them and how they connect to this vision of non-anxiousness. Let's pray. Most living Father, you will for us to give thanks for all things, to dread nothing but the loss of you, and to cast all our cares on the one who cares for us. Preserve us, Father, from the faithless fears and worldly anxieties. And grant that no clouds of this mortal life may hide from us the light of that love which is immortal and which you have manifested to us in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We pray now, Father, as we come to you, come together as we give our lives to your kingdom, that you would use every ounce of the things that we have to build up your kingdom, to extend peace into the world. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Let's stand together.